Shall we read a poem? Hello all and welcome to Shall We Read a Poem? I'm Russ. And I'm Lauren. New kittens. Yeah, they're in the office. They're older kittens. I think they're about four months old. Uh, One, I think, is a color point, which means that uh, he is a Siamese variety. And the other one is a tuxedo kitty. What particular challenges do older fosters present? Uh, Well, if they don't have any socialization, then it can be a horror show. These have had some socialization, so it should be fine. Mainly, I'm just storing them. (laughs) Kitten storage. Yeah, I'm just storing them until they're adopted. And we were having an earlier discussion about uh, Christmas decor, and uh, you're uh, you're disgusted at your neighbor having put up their tree. No, 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 no. I wasn't disgusted. I was hoping you would be disgusted. Oh, I see. I don't care. And then I followed up with the pictures of multitudes of Christmas trees on my way back from the station because that disgusted me as many will know um, in Canada there is nothing between Halloween and Christmas because Thanksgiving falls in October in Canada so yeah it's just a big long slide isn't it yeah it is the amount of Christmas decoration your city has right now is completely uncalled for although to be honest <laughs> I don't know what it looks like in my city right now I haven't been downtown <laughs> I like that something is completely uncalled for. It's like that seems to necessitate Vancouver settle down. I feel that way. I mean, I guess we have the Thanksgiving barrier in in the US for in November, so it's sort of like thou shalt not until after Thanksgiving. But since you have Thanksgiving in October before Halloween, you really all you have is a thou shalt not before Halloween. Golly, were this the States, Santa would be consuming Halloween. I mean, it already does to a great extent. You can always see this holiday merchandise generally before Halloween in the stores. You can see uh, when you go to craft stores, there's a lot of Christmas merchandise in like the summer. And Mm. that seems weird, except that uh, for people who sell holiday-themed items, you actually have to get them started way in advance so it makes sense in a craft store i'm not offended by that how do you feel about in tourist cities where they have the one store that only sells christmas stuff uh i haven't seen one of those in a long time i saw one in a little ski resort town called whistler i don't even know where i would find one except for whistler (laughs) so a unique problem that i don't need to worry about because it's in whistler yeah Well, what do we read? Cannot haunt me. So we're recording this just before Thanksgiving. However, this will come out after Thanksgiving. I mean, American, U.S. Thanksgiving. So I am going to read an obvious one. I must remember. (laughs) I must remember turkey on Thanksgiving, pudding on Christmas, eggs on Easter, chicken on Sunday, Fish on Friday, leftovers Monday. But ah me, I'm such a dunce. I went and ate them all at once. And it is a drawing of a dude with who is balding, who has a very long nose. And he has this giant outstretched belly where the shirt is becoming undone and the belt is stretched to the max. 
I very much enjoyed that your description of that man started with, it went from least interesting thing about him to most <laughs> interesting thing about him. I don't know if going with least interesting, it would go from least relevant to most relevant. <laughs> I, I, I think about it like descriptions, where it's like, in, if you pointed at that guy across the street, would you say, look at that bald guy or look at that colossal guy? Well, for me, the nose doesn't have anything to do with the poem or the state that he's in. So making the nose long is a, is quite a choice that Shell made, and so that's why I noticed it. Oh, so what it, it almost sounds like you were delivering a prestige, such as it was. I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the best part of a magic trick made famous by the Christopher Nolan film The Prestige. Okay, well I haven't seen that movie, and what is what does one deem the best part of a magic trick? In, in the parlance of the movie, it's uh, there's the pledge where a uh, magician tells you something that everyone knows isn't true. Then there's the turn, which is the setup for the big reveal, which is the prestige. So the prestige, the prestige is the reveal. Is it, when you make the bird disappear. The prestige is when you bring it back again. Okay. So you have the pledge, the what, and the prestige? The pledge, the turn, and the prestige. Okay. Uh, I will forget that. <laughs> or you could watch the prestige. <laughs> I just don't watch movies very much. It has Wolverine fighting Batman. Awesome. Not not actually. It's it's Hugh Jackman and um, Christian Bale. I mean, they're both good looking. And they're magicians. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anywho, we have sashayed off the point of Thanksgiving. Right. Well, do we want to talk more about Thanksgiving and all of the wonderful and terrible things it comes with or do we want to talk about something else oh well what had you planned to talk about oh i don't know i just feel obligated whenever i bring up thanksgiving to be like hey it is a holiday celebrating colonization and while it wasn't specifically so it, it celebrates a moment in history when indigenous americans were kind of like okay settlers like you're clearly having a hard time. We'll show you how to farm. And then the settlers were like, hooray, we can grow corn good. We're the best. And then that turned into genocide against the people who were already here. And so Thanksgiving is celebrating the moment in which the colonizers got their confidence to just take over. I feel like the history of, like, Britain should be titled, and that turned into genocide. Right. Right. Well, yeah. Yeah. How many pl- uh, how many places near you have renamed it? Nowhere. No, it's still Thanksgiving. Yeah. We're, we're, no we're one all has out done on... the Indigenous Peoples Day or anything? Oh, like no, that? we have, but that's for Columbus Day. We're all about fuck Columbus. But oh, okay. Thanksgiving still has, like, a lot of feelings for a lot of people because it is sort of memorializing this moment of colonization. On the other hand, a lot of people use the time to get together with their family. And it's also a harvest festival. And those are something people have everywhere around the world. Doesn't it suck seeing every side of something? No. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's fine. Presence of nuance. Right. I don't know. The alternative is less troubling, but worse. (laughs) (laughs) But it makes you a worse person. Yeah, it makes you a worse person. <laughs> well, Thanksgiving? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go over to 
a couple friends house and bringing uh, vegan gravy that i made with porcini that i foraged are there any nuts in this gravy no just curious about the fate of the nuts nuts yeah you you were uh, approximately oh, seven kilograms right. heavier when you uh return with your luggage to portland Wait, what? Nuts. Oh, you, you, oh, oh, oh. You spent $100 on nuts. Oh, the nuts I got in Vancouver. I was trying to think of something related to Thanksgiving. Why would I put cashews in a gravy? I don't know what vegan gravy is made of. They're flavored cashews, too. Well, wouldn't that make flavorful gravy? You know how to cook, Russ. You know this isn't right. Well, I thought you could bring the nuts as a side dish or something. Oh, uh, okay. No, 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 no. They're all for me. Oh, okay. <laughs> My friend's giving only extends this far. Yeah, because you were when you say nuts, I was trying to think about like what I consider very like fall baking nuts, and I was like, I don't have any chestnuts, and why would I put them in the mushroom gravy? Delicious mushroom mushroom chestnut gravy. I mean, I'm sure I could find a way to make it work, but that wasn't my plan. I'm pretty sure. I'm trying to think of a. I think there's a recipe where you maybe it's gordon ramsay's beef wellington where you mix chestnuts and ground up mushrooms hmm. oh well i mean you can do you can do great not. stuff with nuts but the thing is that unless you grind them very well you're gonna have chunky gravy but isn't chunky gravy a thing like isn't sausage gravy chunky hmm i mean you're asking a vegetarian well i can say that sausage gravy is chunky okay it was more a rhetorical question but okay <laughs> what are you going to read russ Oh boy, I am going to read something completely unrelated to Thanksgiving or genocide or anything negative at all, uh, because I'm reading What's in the Sack. (laughs) Go for it. What's in the sack? What's in the sack? Is it some mushrooms? Or is it the moon? Is it love letters or downy goose feathers? Or maybe the world's most enormous balloon? What's in the sack? That's all they ask me. Could it be popcorn or marbles or books? Is it two years worth of your dirty laundry or the biggest old meatball that's ever been cooked? Does anyone ask me, hey, when is your birthday? Can you play Monopoly? Do you like beans? What is the capital of Yugoslavia or... Who embroidered that rose on your jeans? No. What's in the sack? That's all they care about. Is it a rock or a rolled-up giraffe? Is it pickles or nickels or busted bicycles? And if we guess it, will you give us half? Do they ask where I've been, or how long I'll be staying, where I'll be going, or when I'll be back, or how do, or what's new, or hey, why are you blue? No. All they keep asking is, what's in the sack? What's in the sack? I'm blowing my stack at the next one who asks me, what's in the sack? What? Oh, no. Not you, too. It's my balls. <laughs> and, of course, the illustration is a guy with a <laughs> giant sack on his back, <laughs> and that's the only notable thing about him. <laughs> What's interesting to me is how many of the things mentioned are just one large round object rather than a bunch of smaller ones. And yet the askers still wanted half. 
Mm. Well, I mean, if it was like the really old big meatball, you could cut it in half. <laughs> I like that you said the really old meatball. It wasn't called old. I mean, I imagine it's been in the sack for a while if he's been carrying around the stack for so long and he's like, oh my god, everybody's asking me about my sack. <laughs> if it's a meatball, it's been in there for a while, obviously. Oh, Lord. So now, so you just took this at very much face value and just said this was like Shell's look at how big my balls are poem? Oh, absolutely not. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just wanted to say that. I didn't think that it was Shell's balls. But it probably made him giggle to think about it. <laughs> well, no, I just appreciated the presence of a MacGuffin. And mm. um, as a very casual student of film, I, uh, I enjoy MacGuffins. Most of our listeners know what they are, but the quick definition is... Um, I love this. I, 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 this is completely stolen. This is written by someone named V. Renee from No Film School in her article, What is a MacGuffin? that I will link. But uh, her definition is, in short, it's the reason you're watching the movie. Alfred Hitchcock is famous for, oh, using them a lot in his pictures and kind of popularizing the concept. And his definition was the thing that the characters on the screen worry about, but the the audience doesn't care about. And uh, he famously had a story. A man says, well, what is a MacGuffin? And you say, it's an apparatus for trapping lions in the Scottish Highlands. And the man says, but there are no lions in the Scottish Highlands. And you say, then that's no MacGuffin. Less than helpful. But it's easier to give examples. And so we had the shiny briefcase from Pulp Fiction. We have the big jewel in Titanic. Um, And you could argue that something like... um, The Ark of the Covenant from Raiders of the Lost Ark is a MacGuffin, but it doesn't really quite fit because it serves a narrative purpose at the end, and MacGuffins most often do not. Well, the MacGuffin, in in the cases that you mentioned, including the briefcase, is often thought to be somewhat symbolic, even if it's Mm. not a a narrative. Correct, and MacGuffins are often symbolic. Why do you call this a MacGuffin? The ball. I mean, the sack. Oh, because it is, uh, it's one of those very important things to the characters in the story. We kind of don't care about it, and also it doesn't do anything. I mean, I'm also curious about what's in the sack, and I'm sure children really are curious about what's in the sack. And some people were curious about what was in the briefcase in Pulp Fiction. Yeah. But it, that doesn't change the fact that it doesn't actually do anything except move the plot. Well, what do you think is in the sack? clearly Uh, i care more than you do it's definitely his soul oh okay he's uh, he's a lich and uh he's he's got his phylactery with him and he's going to put it someplace safe he's got his what his phylactery what is that the the place where the lich contains that bit of their soul that keeps them immortal oh huh i didn't know that was a thing i like this interpretation this one's cool But his soul must be so big. So here is how absolutely awful I am. Hmm. (laughs) I am such a nerd that I gave the D&D definition of phylactery, which is the place where a lich keeps that special part of his soul. Uh, Here is the phylactery from the ancient Greek that would become part of Jewish tradition. Uh, It is a leather box containing Torah verses worn by some Jews when praying. (sighs) <sighs> Thank you, Russ, for letting D&D get in the way of well, actual learning. 
Well, I mean, Silverstein was Jewish, but he didn't seem like he was all that much of a practicing Jew. <laughs> and I actually don't think it's a phylactery. I just thought that was a fun, nerdy defini- definition that I could give out in the spur of the moment. Right, but he would probably have something to say about it if you were to tell him that. He, he probably would. But he's dead, unlike a <laughs> lich. <laughs> or so we're supposed to think. No, he's pretty dead. Yeah. When everybody, when anybody Gosh. says things about what's in the whatever, like I keep hearing what's in the box, but I've never seen that movie, so I'm only seven. Hearing, yes, so I'm only hearing people imitating that movie. Would you like to know what was in the box? I was told it was like somebody's head or something like that. Yes, Gwyneth Paltrow's head. Okay. She, her character is married to Brad Pitt's character. And he's the one asking? And he's the one asking Kevin Spacey. All right. Well, that made very little sense to me. Kevin Spacey's a serial killer. I hear the the reference all the time and just... So what's in the sack? The answer is definitely not going to be something good. Yeah. It's weird that both of these keep cycling back to foods. Are you hungry? Uh, yes, I am. Mm-hmm. About to eat chili. All right. I made myself some stuffing for dinner. <laughs> is but... it just stuffing? No, no, it wasn't just stuffing. Well, actually, I had real dinner, and then I had stuffing snack. <laughs> My real dinner was like avocado and rice with sushi vinegar and soy sauce. But I also made stuffing because I realized I had an old box of it, and I should probably do it somewhere around Thanksgiving. But <laughs> none of my stock was defrosted, and so I was like, maybe I'll use pickle brine. <laughs> it was no! a mistake. It's very salty and it's kind of sour. <laughs> so think- you have pickle stuffing? <laughs> I'm not answering that. That is amazing. I think I'm going to put an egg on top of it. I think it might actually get away. <laughs> I would take the whole thing, make some scrambled eggs, take your take your vinegar rice, take your stuffing, just mix it all together in the biggest jug you have. Is top the egg with cooked avocado. The, the, the egg is cooked. Okay. Well, how do I mix it into the jug? Because that's a lot of solids and not a lot of liquid. No, 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 no. You're trying to make like a loaf out of it. Oh, yeah. Like, no, that, like, would actually, ooh, that actually sounds pretty good. Well, I, I know. Yeah. Right. I was being at the start. I was being facetious, and then the further I got through it, I was like, yeah. "Wait, I might have something here." That actually sounds decent. Mistakes were made, but I think an egg will make it better. Do you ever make something <laughs> so bad, and you keep trying to make it a little better by adding things to it, and you just end up by, ruining more and more of your food? By God, do I ever! Yeah. And often the worst is when it's with something big batch, and you mm-hmm. just screw something up proper, mm-hmm. like. You know, if you make a pot of chili, that's six meals looking yes. at you. Yes. And if you screw up that batch of chili, you are paying for it for a yeah. minute. Usually the way I do that is I burn the bottom and then that burn just sort of permeates the entire like gallon and a half of chili. And I'm like, oh, fuck me. No. Unless you work at Wendy's and then the bottom is burned to taste. I haven't eaten at Wendy's uh, <laughs> since before I became a vegetarian. None of you should be eating Wendy's chili. I seem to remember it not being very good, though. Although they might have like an eternal stew kind of thing working. (laughs) Or perpetual stew. Or or is is either name okay? I don't know. I know exactly the sort of thing you're talking about. Yeah, the the one that you just keep boiling. Have we not talked about it on this podcast? No. Oh, like Odin? Yeah, yeah, like Odin. Yeah. Um, I I love perpetual stew. Like, just the idea is so wonderful to me because it's like, yeah, it makes sense. If it's boiling, nothing bad's going to happen. And so, yeah, what are we going to put in there? Anything. What's it going to do? Hot. 
My dad told me a story about at some point in olden days, I don't know, maybe medieval or whatever, that they would have a cauldron of soup going at all times. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's what I've always heard. And they would just it would never be all the way eaten. They just keep adding more and more things to it. And of course, you would take out the big stuff. So it's like, you know, the meat wouldn't get that overcooked because the meat would be what you go for first. But what you end up with is a broth that is to die for. Mm. New as as recently, there was one in New York going for a while. Uh, between August 2014 and April 2015, a New York restaurant served broth from the same perpetual stew for eight months. Oh, here's a good one in Thailand. Watana Panish has continued to maintain the broth from the same perpetual stew for over 47 years. Huh. Wow, I'm pretty sure most castles weren't able to do that because they'd get overrun before 47 years. Wow, that's... I wonder if there are any molecules that belong to the original stew. Probably. I think there's probably molecules of the original stew in us. I mean, in a cosmic sense, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that needs to be like the new conversation ender for when you just like, that's the official conversation ender of Shall We Read a Poem? Oh, that's In a cosmic sense, sure. Hmm? (laughs) <laughs> that's our that's our end that's our ending line in a cosmic yeah. sense, sure. In a cosmic sense, sure. Well, look at it where we'll see how it goes. Mm-hmm.